0: So what does it mean to remain? Sorry, active participation. This is what like school. Like what does it mean to remain?
1: You
0: stay in. To stay in. You have anything else? Done everything to stand and stand. Stand. You Now you've done everything to stand,
1: stand. Or, you plug, or plug yourself in, holding firm. Plug
0: yourself in, pulling in. So I looked up. um, this is actually on Dictionary.com, so not like some profound source. <laughs> <laughs> and there were three definitions very clearly posted there. I'm going to read them to you. Um, and they quickly, quickly fed into what I'd already been studying, so it's really it's kind of, Um The first definition is to stay in a place that you've been occupying. So I have remained at 1302 Dundee Drive for five years. Okay. Stay in a place. Stay in a place. So. Um, Spiritually, we're looking for, okay, so what place are we supposed to be staying in, The second definition is to continue to possess a quality or to fill a certain role, okay? So, staying in a place, staying in a role, so our question is what role, what are we supposed to be doing? So where are we supposed to be? What are we supposed to be doing? And then the third definition was to continue to exist, especially after other similar or related people or things have ceased to exist. Um, so this kind of went to the standing firm. Millie talked about, but for purposes of uh, the rest of this lesson, that's the how. So we're trying to figure out God's telling us to remain, but um, to remain is to stay or to continue in some place, doing something in some way. That's really vague, right? <laughs> so now we're gonna fill in the place, we're gonna fill in the thing, and we're gonna fill in the way. So the what, the the what? The where, the what, and the how. So everyone will turn their Bibles or their phones to John chapter 15. This is our primary passage for, for this evening. Um, John chapter 15, this first section, um, I'm reading all these verses actually in New Living. So it's a little bit different than yours, that's why. Um, this first passage of scripture, the first eight verses here. Wait, so my pages stop pressing. Okay, John chapter 15, verse 1 says, I am the true grapevine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so that they will produce even more. Verse 3, you have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, and you are the branches. So we kind of have a picture here. Um, there's lots of times in the Scripture where Jesus used something that's very physical and visual to explain something to us, and that's what he's doing in this passage. So we have this picture: Jesus is the vine, we're the branches, we're connected into him, and the gardener's God. So the gardener, God, is in charge of the um, activity, as you should say, of the of the vine. And we are connected to the vine. So the first thing we find is where. Are we Fellowship, or in the mind. So, what does fellowship mean? Done. Okay. Huh? The gathering of saints. The gathering of saints. Aaron, I thought about you when I was doing this lesson. <laughs> 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 just, just this one little part. Okay, I'll get there in a second. But the fellowship hall. So, what's the fellowship hall? What do you do in the fellowship hall?
1: Eat.
0: Eat. There you go. So, we're supposed to remain in fellowship. Fellowship means in relationship with, having connection to, companionship. We hope that you are in fellowship with your spouse. That would be a good thing. <laughs> Having yeah. common interests or pursuits. So, we're supposed to remain in the vine. In relationship to the vine. Having connection to the vine. Companionship with the vine. Having common, in, common interests or pursuits with the vine. So there's two, two areas we need to remain. In. And one is with God. That's kind of the obvious given answer, right? Um, verse 4 talks about um, remain in me and I will remain in you. So immediately this verse defines fellowship as being a two-way street it doesn't just say yes remain in me and i'll do everything no it's a two-way street so as soon as we remain in god for jesus then he remains in us like a relationship two-sided right Mm -hmm. you ever been in a relationship that was one-sided didn't last very long you know a crush (laughs) that high school crush right didn't did ever produce anything. didn't ever go anywhere. and your mind, was going all sorts of places, right? <laughs> but it never really went anywhere because it wasn't a two-way street. So when we're in fellowship with God, though, it's a two-way street. So when we go to have relationship or fellowship with him, he meets us there. Um, the verse I wrote was in James 4.8, and that's the verse that says, Draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. So it's a relationship. So we have to discipline ourselves to daily Bible reading and prayer, not just as a checklist item. But it's a step towards relationship. And what I mean by that is I'm a checklist person. I'm a checklist person. And that's just the way I work. My life's pretty structured where I like it to be that way. It doesn't always work that way when you have five kids. So they have to mm-hmm. insert, insert things. Or even just a husband. You know, if you have somebody else who's not a checklist person, they kind of ruin your little checklist.
1: But as a Christian, I think it
0: saying almost 30 years. I mean, 30 years in September, actually as a Christian, in every area of my life, I've become a checklist person. So, not that this is a bad thing, and yes, we need to discipline ourselves to every day spend time in God's word. But are we spending time in God's word and with God so we can mark it off our list? So we can then um, not to build relationship or get to know God, but so we can feel better about ourselves? I say that because no, it depends where you are. Everyone's somewhere different. But I've been, there's a long period of my Christian walk where my my devotion time was a checklist thing. Now, I understand that there are times when you don't feel anything, you go into God's presence, you read his word, and you feel like you have nothing, and you just do it because you know you're supposed to do it. But the purpose is to build relationship. Yes, we keep doing it, and it strengthens us. And then there are days where God just speaks to us. We're like, God, thank you. This has been so long. I've been waiting for this. But it doesn't always happen that way. So the purpose of that relationship, the purpose of that daily Bible and prayer, is not so we can feel better about ourselves, not so we can tell our Sunday school teacher next week that, yes, we read our Bible every day, but so that we can build relationship. God is waiting for you. You take the step, he meets you. It's a two-way street. The branches will only grow if they stay in fellowship with or connected to the vine. So the choice to be disconnected from the vine is the choice of spiritual death. Now, we make that choice every day, whether we're going to be connected or disconnected. And not just in devotion, in everyday life, in every choice, in what we're doing, and how our day goes. We all have bad days. I'm not saying we, we're angels and we're going to go around and just be like Jesus every day. It was that easy. <laughs> it was that easy. We wouldn't be here on earth. We would to be in heaven, okay? So there's a struggle there, but we're making a choice. Well, the choice is, God, I'm just too busy today. And we make that choice. So do we want to choose spiritual death, or are we going to choose to make an effort and be connected to the mind? Okay, so our fellowship or relationship with the vine, with Jesus, determines trust or mistrust. It's a two-way street as well. Can God trust you to stick with it? To keep yourself connected to the vine, or do you prefer to keep moving around, switching from vine to vine, so that you aren't responsible to do anything or accountable to anyone? Accountability is hard. That means someone's in your business, and they know when you screw it up. We like to hide when we screw it up, you know, sweep it under the rug. We don't want someone to ask us, to ask us if we're being, if we're, per, if we're actively pursuing God. But in order to build that trust, so God knows He can trust us, we got to be constant. We have got to be connected. And like I said, it's not always perfect. It's not. We mess up. Um, but can God trust you? That's what God is determining as you're having fellowship with Him. Can He trust you, or can He not trust? The other part of that is, can you trust God? Oftentimes, when we keep switching vines or keeping being disconnected from the vine, we wonder why God doesn't come through or seems insufficient to provide for us. If you're not remaining in the vine, you can't blame Him when you don't get the nutrients you need.
1: That's
0: right. It's not His fault. You weren't connected to Him. He could pour all sorts of stuff into you, but if you're not connected, you can't get it. Okay. You've got to stay connected so that you can get get the provision, get what you need. Now, we all know the provision we need and the provision we think we need are not always the same thing. (laughs) You know, I have this in my checklist, in my world of checklists. I have this long list of things I've been asking God for. He has not provided a lot of those things. Now, he's answered those needs in different ways, which is not the way I thought it was supposed to come. But we have to stay connected to the vine to get any nutrients, any nutrients from him. Okay, this is back to the Aaron thing that I was thinking about earlier. Being in fellowship is being in the place where you are being fed, the fellowship hall. When there's a luncheon, we come here and we know we will get food. And even if you don't pay, even though it's a fundraiser, they're trying to raise money, they're still going to give you food.
1: It's
0: I take ticket price. They're not going to say, "Um, no, Aaron, you get $20 worth of stuff, you put $20 worth of food. Be where you're being fed. So where are we spiritually being fed? Well, in church, but also personally. It goes back to the devotion life. 1 John 2, 27 to 28. Maybe you leave your marker or your finger in John 15, we'll be back there. 1 John 2, 27 to 28. The fellowship. 1 John 2, 27 to 28. It's to be where you are being fed. It says, But you have received the Holy Spirit, and he lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true for the spirit teaches you everything you need to know and what he teaches is true, it's not a lie so just as he has taught you, remain in fellowship with Christ so what this is talking about is once we're saved the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us I'm not talking about being filled with the Holy Spirit, that's a separate thing but at salvation the Holy Spirit comes and lives in us to teach us and to show us God's ways and it says in this verse that the Holy Spirit will teach us what we need to know Now, so we have access to direct teaching from the Holy Spirit. There's also other verses that tell us the Holy Spirit reveals to us the secrets of God. Okay, so we have direct access to this. Is that always the easiest way to be taught? No, it's not. So, do we go to the direct access, go to the teacher where we're supposed to be going, or do we read a commentary or a third-party opinion to learn what God is trying to teach us? I'm not against books. I love books. I read them all the time. But my growth, my sustenance, is spiritually, is not based on someone else's opinion of what God said. I need to go to God's work for myself. I need God to speak <laughs> to me and show me what he's saying. Now, you can have leaders, you can have teachers who lead you in the right direction. You can say, okay, I think God is showing you this is this right. And they can confirm that you're on the right track. Or they can say, well, it's not exactly. I mean, I saw this version. This is what God was showing me. So it can go either way. But we can't rely on... The experiences of everyone else around us. The books we find at Martells, which are really good and can be very uplifting and encouraging. Or the preacher, even, on Sunday. That's not where you're, where you're supposed to be getting fed. That's not supposed to be your primary source of food. Your primary source is you've got to be connected to the vine. If you're not connected to the mind, you're not going to be getting fed. Let the Holy Spirit be your primary teacher. Put yourself in a place where God can teach you. Have you ever met somebody who wasn't teachable? Gat's way working underneath you at work and you're supposed to train them and they were just like either not paying attention or not getting it or really didn't care what you were telling them how to do it, even though you've been there longer than them. Let's not be that when we come to God's presence. Amen. How often do we come to him saying, oh, teach me, and he's like, oh no, do it this way, oh God, but that doesn't work. <laughs> Ever said that? Or maybe you wouldn't have said that, but you thought it. <laughs> oh God, I tried that, that did not work before. That is not the way this is supposed to happen. So we have to come to his presence teachable. Let him teach us. Um, Kind of on the same checklist statement I was saying earlier. My goal when I come to God for my time with God is God teach me. Now, that doesn't always mean I have a whole sermon and ten pages of notes, but my goal is also not to read three chapters every day. My goal is for God to teach me. That means I read one verse and he showed me something. That's why I'm satisfied. Because if our goal is to grow, then we need to be taught. Then we need to be getting fed and not just marking it off our list. So, being in fellowship with God, being in fellowship with other believers. Being in fellowship is being an active participant of a group with other believers. Having things in common, pursuing a common goal. 1 John 1.7, you should still be basically on that same page. 1 John 1.7 says, But if we are living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. It seems a little weird to me, maybe this is just my perspective, for it to talk about us living like Jesus and being in fellowship and then saying, and Jesus saves us. That seems a little bit disconnected. It doesn't seem really to be the total same thought. But if you think about it, the reason I can have fellowship with y'all, even though I am not like y'all, we are all different. We have different personalities. We have different backgrounds. We have different struggles. We have different gifts, different callings, different um, things we enjoy, different hobbies. But the reason we can have fellowship with each other is because we have one thing in common. We've all been forgiven. He died for all of us. There's a unity that becomes when we focus on the main thing. You know, I think a lot of times churches and denominations split on what they believe about what God's saying. That's okay, I guess. That way you're not arguing about it. But to keep the main thing the main thing, the other stuff's just side notes. You know? It doesn't matter. We're arguing about things that don't matter. We're arguing about things that don't matter. But because we know that Jesus paid the price for our sins, all of us who've accepted him can have fellowship with each other. That doesn't mean me and Melanie are not going to be best friends and like agree about everything. It doesn't. But when the main thing's the main thing, the little stuff doesn't matter anymore. Our goal is to please him. So together we try to please him. Together we try to evangelize and together we outreach to people not because we're all exactly the same a bunch of cookie hundred Christians who look exactly the same. No! We're different. That's okay. But we have this one thing in common. We can have fellowship together because we have this one thing in common. Our common experience of forgiveness can foster unity one with another if we focus on what we have in common and not on what we have different. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 the chapter that talks about being the body of Christ. going to forget going, or we're going to get on that. First Corinthians 12, 27 says, All of you together are Christ's body. Each of you is a part of it. If you read this little chapter, it talks about all the parts are different. We all do something different, but we need them all. You'd be lost if you didn't have your little pinky toe on your foot, because it helps you balance. You would all be falling over all the time. But we don't think it and then it hurts really bad. We like but we all need each other. We're a group working together. Okay, So remain where? In fellowship. Remain doing what? Being fruitful. So what's fruit? Well I went to Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23. That's where the fruit of the Spirit is listed. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, and peace, and Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. self-control. These are personality traits or characteristics that are produced in our lives by the Holy Spirit. It is not produced in our lives by practicing really hard. It's not produced in our lives by working at it. So how do we get through the Spirit? Well, God be connected to the vine, because that's where it comes from. As a mom, I often wish I was more patient. I'm not very patient. At all. My mom is like way more patient than I am. And, and I can ask God for patience again, again, again.
1: <sighs> He's going to have to
0: give it to me. He's going to have to do it. Because it is not my natural thing. For some people, the thing we struggle with is love. We have issues loving people. But we don't work at loving and get better. We ask God to give it to us. We're only able to have the fruit of the Spirit because His Spirit is in us. Okay. So. The fruit of the spirit, that's the fruit we're supposed to be be producing, being fruitful. The gardener determines the fruitfulness of the vine. Verse 2 talks about, uh, I'm sorry, John 15, verse 2, the original passage talks about the gardener. It says he cuts off every branch that doesn't produce fruit. It doesn't say the gardener asks all the branches which ones they don't like so they can cut it off. I know that sounds a little silly and it's a little bit of an overstretch. But well, often we judge our fruitfulness based on what that person looks like—the one that sits next to us. Uh-huh. You know, oh well, I'm more fruitful than them, so I must be doing okay. That's not what it says. The gardener determines if the, if the vines, if the fruit, if the branches are fruitful or not. It's not our job. It's not our job. Not our job. Fruitfulness is not determined by a comparative glance between yourself and the Christians around you. God has a different standard than we do. That could be good or bad. Have you ever heard somebody say, well, only God can judge me. Well, you should be scared about that. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: But at
0: the same time, his standard is different. It's just different. It's not from our realm. It's not the way we think at all. His standard is different. And there's, there's peace and there's comfort in that, because he knows us and he loves us and he cares for us. But we also understand that means living up next to the person next to you is not God's standard. We're fruitful by his standard, not by us. So how are we fruitful? By remaining in the vine. Kind of going back to the main thing. Disconnected branches cannot produce fruit. Okay, verse 8 there, John 15 verse 8 says, When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. So how else do you produce fruit? By being a
1: disciple.
0: Okay, fruitfulness is evidence of being a disciple. Bearing fruit does not make you a disciple. That's backwards. Sometimes we so want people to see us and once it's bunch fruitful, we seek the fruit instead of staying in the vine. we got to seek to remain in Jesus, stay in the vine, and he will make us fruitful. Grapevines vines don't have to work to produce grapes. They just have to worry about being grape vines. Let me, let me switch that to Christianity. Christians don't have to worry about being fruitful. They just don't worry about being on Jesus. Yeah.
1: Okay.
0: It's the same thing. It all comes together. people to see Jesus so badly that we're like, God, just let me love them. But if we switch it to, God, let me be like you. Let me see them like you see them. It's a different focus. And then, the burden is not on me to love. The burden is on him to make me more like him. And that's a lot less stressful for somebody like me who's trying to always accomplish everything, get it all done, who wants to work really hard. It's not on me anymore. It's on him. Jesus, make me like You. Then I will look like you. Then I will look like you. Okay, the third way that we remain fruitful, this is in part two, being fruitful, is by pruning. How many like to be pruned? No, nobody likes it. It's not fun. It hurts. John chapter 15, verse two and three says, he cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I've given you. I did a little research on pruning. Here's what I found out. I'm sure some of y'all prior to them was Pruning reduces the number of shoots so that the growing shoots or stems, the ones that remain, can get sufficient nutrients to reach their maximum fruitfulness. Pruning is about focus change. You know, sometimes we want to be good at everything. And in the process, we don't become great in what God has called us to be. Mm
1: -hmm. So,
0: sometimes pruning means cutting off good stems. Things that were okay, they weren't bad things necessarily. It's not about getting rid of sin. We're not talking about getting rid of sin. We're talking about getting rid of branches that are not as fruitful, or maybe just not what God intends for us. Okay? So we have to be willing to get rid of some of the good stuff so that what God has, so that His plans the great stems can receive more nutrients and be strengthened. That's why we're a body. I'm going back to that a little bit. I don't have to be good at everything. I have to be great at what God has called me to be. Not by my strength, by His. And then as a body, as a team, all the holes get filled. All the puzzle pieces come together. Because not one of us has to be super Christian and do it all. We just have to hear God when He speaks to us and be willing to let the good stuff go if it's not God's best if it's not God's plan. That's what pruning is about. Okay, so we're going to remain in fellowship. That's the what, where. We're going to remain fruitful. That's the what. And we're going to remain how? Faithfully. Faithful means full of faith. When we think about being faithful, I think of two different things. The first one is the ability to endure. And order to you know if you can endure, guess what? You've got to go through stuff. We don't like that either. Pruning and enduring are not fun. But when you go and start to look up enduring through trials, there are a whole lot of verses on that.
1: Yep.
0: Because that's the way it's gonna be. We gotta be able to endure. First Corinthians 1013, probably one of my favorite verses about enduring. I think we talk about Sunday's almost every other week in my class. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or it feels that
1: way. <laughs> a lot of work. Keep coming up.
0: First Corinthians 1013. says the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience and God is faithful he will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand so when you are tempted he will show you a way out so that you can endure Uh, NIV says you can stand up under it so if you're standing up under something guess what it's still there it didn't make the temptation go away that's what we pray God will, be, God will do. God, just take this thing away, please. But instead, he wants us to be fruitful. He wants us to be able to endure. So guess what? We need to practice. It's not fun. But he gives us the ability to stand strong under it. That means it's still there, but we're standing. That's what being faithful is. Enduring should be simple when the struggle is lacking. So when there's not a struggle, it should be simple to be faithful, right? No, it's not usually what happens. Usually what happens is when the struggle is lacking, then we just depend on ourselves and we're good. We don't need them as much, right? That's what we think. I didn't pray as much this month. My kids were doing fine. They weren't fighting me about everything. Next month, school starts.
1: <laughs>
0: but so the, the temptation is to depend on ourselves. to assume a place of self-dependency instead of staying connected. But the ability to endure, to endure comes when we're connected, even when it's good. Even when it's easy, thankful and grateful the whole time, because God, I don't have to deal with that right now. I don't have to deal with middle school, homework, and children and assistant principals and teachers. <laughs> not right now. The ability to stay connected up under it. But during the struggles or the times of trial, we're given the ability to stand up under the temptation. We talk about this in Sunday school and Evelyn again. Mm-hmm. Temptation itself is not a sin. Being tempted is not the end-all the world is coming over. It's not a sin. A lot of us beat ourselves up because we keep getting tempted by the same thing. So we feel like, God, if I was just a enough Christian, this would not tempt me anymore. That's not the problem. The problem is when we give in to the temptation. So don't beat yourself up because you're getting tempted. That's called life. Right? We have to have the ability to stand up under the temptation, to resist it. The temptation may never go away. You know, Paul had a thorn in his side. It doesn't really say what it was. Something that bothered him. It doesn't say it ever went away. His whole life he dealt with whatever that was, as far as we know. That didn't make him less of a Christian. That didn't make him less connected to the vine. It was just a struggle he had to deal with. And he kept standing, and he kept standing, and he kept standing. And that's what faithfulness is. Keep standing. There are times when the struggle is less, praise God. There are times of reprieve, praise God. There are times when things are easier, praise God. There are times when the temptation's there, and it rears your likely head again, and we think we conquered it, and then it comes again. But as long as we don't give in, as long as we stand strong, then we're still being faithful. We're not being unfaithful just because we're being tempted. I'm that again. We're not being unfaithful just because we're being tempted part of life. Okay, so the second part of being faithful in my in my definition is thriving and not just surviving. You know, a lot of times when you think of um, being faithful, or I do, you think of the person who's in Sunday, at church every Sunday, filling up their pew. Matthew chapter 25 is where I'm going now. Um, and they're faithful. They're there. That's a good thing. But at some point, we get stuck. And we make faithfulness be Survival mode. Survival mode. Now, I am fully aware that life is crazy sometimes, and survival mode is all I can give. And I get that. But that's not where we should be staying. That's not where our Christian, or the most of our Christian life should not be in survival mode. That's not God's best for you. I don't like change. Casey case you didn't know that. That's not true. Barbara loves change. She changes her house like every six months. She rearranges it, paints something. Uh-huh. <laughs> that is not me at all. Don't like change. But holding strong and resisting the change is not being faithful. Now, some changes are good, some changes are bad. I'm not saying all change is great. But we have to be willing to step past what's normal and comfortable for us to be faithful. Matthew 25. I turn my page too fast. Verse 14 through 30. It's the parable of the three servants. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing it in proportion to their abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. The servant with two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant to whom he had entrusted the five bags of silver came forward with five more and said, Master, you gave me five bags of silver to invest, and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. Who would say that to their master?" very smart just saying you can observe things now without always them. okay i was afraid i would lose your money so i hid it in the earth look here's your money back but the master replied you wicked and lazy servant if you knew i harvested crops i didn't plant and gathered crops i didn't cultivate why didn't you deposit my money in the bank at least i could have gotten some interest on it then he ordered take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver to those who use well what they are given even more will be given and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing and tre- teeth. The third servant was holding status quo. Faithful. Showed up, right? What did Jesus call it? Useless. Wicked. Lazy. I don't think any what God calling us that. Faithfulness is not holding status quo, but actively obeying God and pursuing what he's told you to do. And what I've learned about God in the past many years, he doesn't let you stay comfortable. As soon as you think, God, I got it, I trust you, it's good, then he like pushes you out the boat a, little <laughs> it pushes you a little more. Pushes you a little more, and pushes you a little more, and pushes you a little more. Letting God push you out of your comfort zone, that's the thing. Right? Mm-hmm. Holding your ground, no, that's lazy, wicked, useless. That's not pursuing God's best for you. This, um, the sorrow who he held on to what his master gave him kept it safe. It was called useless. He even said that he was scared. He knew it because he was scared. Have you been scared when God told you to do something? Yeah, every single time. Every single time. Fear's not an excuse not an excuse to sit there and do nothing. you got to keep doing what God told you to do and keep pushing you out of your comfort zone. The servant who held on to what his master gave him kept and kept it safe was called useless. This reminds me of John chapter 15 verse 6 back in our original, original passage. See, what does he say about that branch? Anyone who does not remain in me, John 15 6, is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. Reminds me a lot of that useless servant. Useless branches. Because they're not pushing and doing what God called you to do. Now, I'm not saying you have to make something happen. We don't make anything happen. We just got to be listening.
1: <coughs> and
0: when God says, do this, we always say, oh, no, God. You're, you're kind of crazy. Pick that person up there. You haven't made them do anything in a while, God. <laughs> Every time we get comfortable, he pushes us again. Why? So we don't depend on us. So we don't think it's about us, so we don't try to get the glory, we try to get the credit, because we made something happen. He keeps pushing us, keeps pushing us, keep pushing us. I don't like being pushed. It's not very comfortable. So why do we choose survival mode over thriving? It's easier. It more than once. Person habit, I like to say the same easy as much as we can have happiness. So many things go our homes. The other reason we stay in survival mode is we are focused on our situation and can't see that there's another choice. Ever felt like there was another choice? Yeah. But if we listen, and God doesn't always yell at us, sometimes he kind of whispers. There's another choice. we got to be thriving. We've got to be doing what God's called us today. Why else do we stay in survival mode? Have it. Habits are hard to break. The other reason we say in survival mode is because we're self-minded instead of kingdom-minded.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Survival mode is about me, myself, and I, making my tribe be okay. Make sure we got everything we need. Make sure things taken care of. It. Make sure I'm okay. Make sure I get what I want. Is that kingdom mentality? No. God says, "Take care of mine, and I'll take care of yours." Mm-hmm. Right? Gotta be thinking and listening. God, what do you ask me to do? I guess I'll share this here. The craziest thing God has asked me to do lately, there's a lot of them, but the craziest one. <laughs> so Pastor Sid came to me a while back and said, I really like to do some Spanish worship songs. He said, You're crazy, I don't know Spanish. <laughs> and then I I I've been asked that before, not by him, but just by people. And ask, oh, what do you think? Oh, and I hate it. I hate Spanish music, Spanish, not Spanish music, Spanish worship. I don't speak Spanish. I feel stupid. I feel foolish speaking <sighs> Spanish. Cause I, I don't great German, like no Spanish. Y'all are great at
1: it. I'm a horrible <laughs> one. Not good.
0: I kid you not. Two nights later, I had a dream, and in that dream, we were leading worship. We were singing in Spanish, wow. and somehow in my dream. This is part of the way God just has to deal with me because of the way I am. Like I have to think everything through my head. It has to be like totally like okay. That doesn't mean it always goes that way. But like once I've gotten a moment to like think through it, and usually in a dream I see it happening and being successful, then I'm okay. So two nights later, or that night I had that dream, so I had called Pastor Sid, I said, "Hey, what do you think about us doing Spanish Workshop songs?" He's like, "Awesome! I love it. Do it." <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, totally not my comfort zone, totally not, at all. And yet, we're working on learning some Spanish worship songs. It's actually five so he's my English-Spanish. And all those people who don't know Spanish, we're just working on it. We're trying, guys.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: and it's not comfortable to sing in another language. It's not. All y'all native Spanish speakers know that. I can't even speak German anymore, so.
1: <laughs> not comfortable. And yet,
0: when God's in it, it's okay. It's scary. We haven't got there. It's not ready yet. We're working on it. Um, but it's a push. And then I had to, like, go to praise and worship practice and tell my praise and worship team, including my dad, who didn't know, that we're going to start on the stage, Can we practice this one? We're going
1: to brother, I
0: think God's telling me, so we worked on it. I never told Deanne this, but I was terrified of oh. what Deanne was going to say. I know, I just <laughs> and at the end of practice, she said, I you do know, you remember this, she said, you know, if I can take those words home, I think I can work on it. I think I can get it. And I was like, yes, God, yes. Because you know, people we all are. We do want people to fight things, right? So when God pushes you, you just got to do it. Now, like I said, we haven't done it yet. We're working on it. But <coughs> you can do it. God, put, God God's the one who has to do it, right? It's so not us anyways. I had to listen to the song we're doing is Here I Am to Worship in Spanish, so I picked the song for So that'd be a little bit easier. It's my bridge. It's like a bridge song. Um, so I listen to it all the time. And I can sing the chorus without words in front of me. So I'd be okay. I can do the bridge. All I just say. Big push. Big push. Scary thing for me. Maybe not for you, maybe not. So I'll gonna be really guilty.
1: This we of going to full time. i speak
0: Spanish. But when God wants you to do it, you just gotta do it. Even if it seems silly in your mind, even if it seems weird and ridiculous. <laughs> I go off this. Because being faithful is not just about maintaining status quo, doing it this way because we've always done it. If it didn't work, you don't need to keep doing it that way. You know, there's a saying that you keep, you always do what you've always done, you always do what you've always done. Yeah, pretty much. So God pushed us, okay. So in conclusion, God desires that we remain in fellowship with each other, producing fruit, because we're close to the vine. Faithfully. Faithfully. That means, what to endure. Thriving, not surviving. So if there's some one of these areas you need to work on. Think about it. Are you, good at, are you good at being in fellowship with God and believers? I'm kind of a loner. Not in a bad way. I just totally like to be by myself. This is how God made me. And yet he wants me to be in fellowship with people, so I have to connect. Me and Cynthia went to lunch this week. So there you go. I'm trying. God, I'm trying to be in fellowship, but it's not easy for me. So some of us need God to push us a little more. Do you have problems being in fellowship with God and other believers? Do you, you have problems being fruitful? Does your life look like Jesus? If it looks like Jesus, you'll be fruitful. None of us perfectly looks like Jesus. My goodness would be in heaven if we did.
1: Do
0: you have problems being faithful? Are you scared to be committed? Are able to hold on? Or are you okay when God whispers something totally crazy in your ear and you're like, mm, okay? So that we can be what God has for us. We want to remain. And even though everything else is changing, we remain in Him, and that's where our strength comes from. That's where our strength comes from. All right. Let me close our prayer, then we'll be done. God, I love you, and I thank you for your word. Thank you, God, that you desire to have a relationship with us, God. That you want to be close to us, that you want us to be close to you. Lord, help us to remain in you. Lord, let's make that a priority. To be close to you, to be near to you, God, so we can hear what you're saying to be led by your spirit in the things you're calling us to do that your kingdom can be accomplished that your will can be accomplished in us in our church in our lives god that you will be lifted up by. remind us it's not about us and our efforts god we've got to remain in you we've got to learn to trust you more to depend on you more and you'll be our strength and you'll guide us and you'll lead us go with us
1: this week we love you god amen, amen.